Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 982 of the Juicebox podcast. Laura is 22 years old. She was diagnosed, I believe, around her 17th birthday with no history of autoimmune in her family. She was in the French Navy when she was diagnosed. The French Navy, but she lives in Texas. None of this makes sense. You'll find out more by listening. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. When you head to my link, omnipod.com forward slash juicebox, there's an option down there to take a test drive of the Omnipod. You can check it out for free in your home, omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Save 40% at cozyearth.com with the offer code juicebox at checkout. That's off your entire order, by the way, 40% juicebox at checkout. And don't forget to check out, check out, check out. I've said that word too much, but go take a look at juiceboxpodcast.com. It's the website for the uh, for the podcast, and there's a bunch of stuff there. I think you will enjoy it. Just go luck, would you? Don't make me ask you over and over. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. You want easy to use? You want accurate? You want Contour, contournext.com forward slash juice box. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts today with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. That's at my link, drinkag1.com forward slash juice box. AG1 is sponsoring this episode of the podcast and they're sponsoring me too in my belly because I take it every day. And you could too. Drinkag1.com forward slash juice box. So my name is Laura. I am 22. I live in Texas and I'm or originally from a small Caribbean island lost <laughs> um, called Guadeloupe, uh, which is French. But I've been in the U.S. for three and a half years now. And I have been a type one since I was 17 or two days before my 17th birthday. So five years with type one, three years, yeah, almost six years now, almost six years, three years in the U S yes. And you're from an Island that even though you said the name of it, I don't know what you're talking about. Spell it for me. Uh, it's called Guadeloupe G U A D E L U O U P E. It's near you most likely know St. Martin. Oh, I do know that. If you know St. Martin, mm -hmm. it's it's a part of Guadeloupe, so it's right next to it. Oh, that's so interesting. We we normally, if we go there, we go to St. John. Or Yeah, it's one of the islands nearby. Yeah, we just don't make it to the... Is that the British-owned side, St. Martin? It's uh, St. Martin. So St. Martin is Dutch, and St. Martin is French. So the island, it's a small rock divided in two. I see. A small rock divided in two. Yeah, the north side is French and the south side is Dutch. Oh, that's interesting. And so you were born there? Yes, I was born and raised for nine, ten years. And then I moved to France 
for middle school and high school. Okay. Uh, got diagnosed in high school and then moved back to Guadeloupe. Your, did your parents, how were you born on a tiny island like that? Were they from there? Well, it, it's, it's, let's say it's as big as Kauai. Okay. If you've been to Kauai, that's, that's the closest I can explain. Mm-hmm. But did your parents... <laughs> it's not that, that small. But. See, you got stuck on the size thing. I was trying to find out if you're, you were like, don't insult the island. It's not that small. Uh, but it's, um, no, I just mean like, were your parents native to the island or did they move there as adults? No, my, my dad was, well, my, both of my parents were born in France, but my dad was raised in Tahiti. And once he uh, finished high school and his uh, military service Mm -hmm. he decided that he was no longer going to live in france because he hated the cold so he moved to the caribbean and that's where my parents met that sounds much nicer (laughs) yeah good for him and all the people who have the nerve to do the things that the rest of us talk about and don't do you know what i mean yes yeah yeah he moved there i think in the 93 95 and he's been there since then wow that's amazing okay so you are in France when you're diagnosed? I was in France when I was diagnosed. Yes, I was in senior year of high school. Okay. And how did that happen? How did you figure out you had type 1? Um, so I was actually an athlete. I was swimming twice a day, 20 to 25 hours a week. So I was in a good shape. I was not what people would think someone with diabetes would look like. Mm-hmm. I was all, So I was a swimmer and I was also in the Navy, I was at at school technically for the Navy. So every two to three weekends uh, a year, every Saturday, I would go to a school where everybody would join for the Navy and would just learn stuff that you usually learn in the Navy. So my goal was to join the Navy, which didn't happen. Okay. So I, that was around, I think the whole thing, started during the summer of 2016 i was a girl scout and spent a few weeks uh just camping in the woods and obviously we got ticks and everything and every summer i would just take some antibiotics from the i mean the doctor would prescribe anti- antibiotics just to make sure i wouldn't get the lyme disease mm-hmm. coming back on it, it was like that may have been the mistake mistake that made me diabetic we don't know there's no way of knowing, but that could have triggered it. Um, so that was in like August, September. And October, November, we have 10 days or two weeks of vacation. Spent a week doing a swim camp, swimming, yeah, f- at least four hours a day, plus some weightlifting and let more. Me, let me ask you a question, or maybe a couple. So you think that being bit by ticks or the taking the antibiotics? What were you taking? The, yeah, taking the antibiotics because usually antibiotics would be for six days max, and after that, it's just it's too long. Mm-hmm. But she, the doctor itself, prescribed me uh, three weeks of antibiotics, which could have caused or triggered diabetes. But there's no way of knowing. But it, it's just a really long time. Is that is that something the doctor said to you? Yes. About- uh, no, well, she she told me to get on antibiotics for three weeks, but she never said, oh, yeah, that may have been the thing. Okay. But looking back, I, I was fine before that. I was completely fine. And two and a half months after, I was in a hospital. So holding down your, your, your concern, I think, is, is holding down your immune system with the antibiotics and then maybe 
you're thinking you got a virus after that or I I really don't know. I don't remember being sick. Right. It's inter- but it's it's interesting. It's different. Is there any type 1 through your family line? No one. Literally no one. And the week of my di- uh, diagnosis was also the well diabetes month is in November, so that's when I was diagnosed and it was also the actual week where a bunch of associations and groups would get together to spread their awareness. And my grandparents were shocked that I was diagnosed and they both went to the local supermarket to get tested. And they're like, our blood sugars were fine at 11 a.m. So it's not from us. (laughs) (laughs) I love your grandparents are out like, we need to get out of this. They they're going to look to us first. We have to prove it isn't us. My blood sugar is fine. Leave me alone. Yeah, no, less than a week after they called me and they're like, well, we just got tested and we're fine. I was like, yeah, I know. (laughs) How about, (laughs) that's funny. How about other autoimmune stuff like celiac or... Anything. Absolutely not. Like it, literally, I had no idea what celiac was before I moved to the U.S. Okay. I uh, feel like m- more more people have those kind of food allergies or intolerances in the U.S. than in mm-hmm. France. Not um, thyroid issues. Nope, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Okay. I know right now that my other grandpa is, has type two diabetes and is getting the pills, but he's completely against them. <laughs> He's rebelling against the pills. Oh yeah, he's, he's a, fully rebellious. He he's he's a hunter, and so he's like, I don't care. I I hunt what I eat, and <laughs> and I'm fine. And just it's fine. I'll just get those pills and keep eating my sugary stuff, or sweet uh, stuff every day. I was like, mm, cool, yeah. <laughs> do you think he'll take it seriously at any point? No. <laughs> no. You're like, no, I'm pretty certain he he won't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's think. Seventeen, five years ago, six years yeah. ago. Yeah. So I, I I was at a swim camp, and I mean, was tired obviously because we were swimming a lot, mm-hmm. and got literally got off the swim camp, took a train to go to my Navy school, spent a couple of days at Navy school, went to my cousin's house because it was also, I mean, still holidays, so couldn't go back home. My mom was walking. And that's when I remember my first symptoms were that I would wake up in the middle of the night to uh, drink, which was really unusual. Mm-hmm. And it was a small vacation house. So it was really loud for me to go from my bedroom downstairs to go to the bathroom and get some water. So I would just end up sleeping on the couch and waking up every couple hours to go to the bathroom and go drink and go to the bathroom and go drink. And I wouldn't sleep for days because I was just up all night long. How long did this go on for? Well, that was just the end of vacation. So probably three, four, five days. Okay. Then I went back home and I told my mom, like, hey, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't know what's going on. And went back to school. I would sleep through all of my classes. I was a really good student, like straight A student. I was, uh, I may have been a bit annoying for teachers because I knew what I had to do and I was getting good grades. So I wasn't really listening. Mm -hmm. I was like a bit of a troublemaker, but I still had good grades. So they didn't really have much to say, but I would just sleep through the whole classes, go to the bathroom every 30 minutes to fill up my whole water bottle and just drink it and chug it all day long. A week after I went back, I went back from holidays. uh, We had a huge swim meet at our, in our city 
and my mom talked to one of her, my mom is a physical therapist, mm-hmm. but she had no idea what diabetes was. Okay. She talked to one of her colleagues and she said, well, you might want to order some blood tests because that's, that's not normal. So I was over the weekend and that during that weekend, there was one morning where I didn't swim, uh, stayed at home, watched a movie. And in the two hour time frame of watching a movie, I had been drink. I drank two and a half liters of water, which is like probably like three quarter of a gallon. Right. It was just by laying in bed and drinking, just drinking, it. which was not good. So next day we go to the doctor's office, get a prescription on the Tuesday. I get blood test, do a blood test in the morning on an empty stomach without having breakfast. And in the afternoon, the lab calls my mom right away and they're like, uh, blood sugar is not good. Mm-hmm. You need to go to your doctor's office right now. So I'm at school. I'm like, okay, cool. Let me just take the bus, go, go to her office, which was right next to the doctor's, go to the doctor's office. And she's like, yeah, it's a bit elevated. So let's, oh, by the way, same doctor that told me to uh, get antibiotics for three weeks. Right. She's like, well, it's a bit, I was at 322. And she's like, it's a bit too much. So let's try sugar-free diet for a month and figure it out. Hmm. Yeah, she didn't seem like she knows what she's doing at anything so far. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, let's, let's just do that. So Wednesday morning, I tried to do a sugar-free with big quotes in between mm. because it was granola and milk, which we know now is definitely not sugar-free. <laughs> what did you think of as sugar-free in that moment? What were you trying to Well, the thing to is, being an athlete, I was eating really, really lean food. It was really simple, no, absolutely no fast food. That was not a thing in our house. Right. I knew I had to have protein, carbs, and veggies at each meal. No sweets, no drinks, of course. Uh, yeah, like it was really like the simplest meals you could have. That's what I was having already, except maybe cereals in the morning and maybe pancakes on the weekend. Right, right. But really simple meals. So I go to school Wednesday morning and my mom calls the school's nurse. And she's like, well, yeah, that's not good. So she called me into her office at like 11, 11 30 just to get my blood tested because before I went to lunch and I was at 4.57 mm. at 11 a.m. So she looked at me and she's like, you've got your bags, right? I'm like, yep, I was in German. I'm going into math right now. And she's like, no, you're not. I'm calling, the ni- I'm calling 911 right now. You are going to the ER. And just like that, two days before my birthday, in between two classes, I was rushed to the ER and was diagnosed. How did you feel at that point, just physically? Still tired, but everything was, else was yeah, okay? Yeah, extremely tired. I I had lost a lot of weight. I that was even right now. I'm I'm still not back to that weight. I've never been that light mm-hmm. <laughs> since I was probably like twelve. I lost. I think in total was twelve. So let's say twenty to twenty five pounds oh, in wow. three weeks. Oh my gosh! How tall are you? I'm five four, oh. but I was I was an athlete, so it was mostly muscles, and right. I I I just couldn't do anything. I, Did no one mention that because you're in a bathing suit a lot? Did no one say you lose? No, actually, it was like, oh yeah, you're looking much better now. Like you're you're losing weight. That's great. Oh, like, I see. Cool. That that's that was the the mentality. You know, like the sure. what people would say is just like, 
oh yeah, yeah, you need to lose weight. You need to to look better in the swimsuit. So yeah, it was great. Oh, I see. And I see. For a few days before I was diagnosed, I would I didn't go to practice. I would text my coach every single day. I was like, hey, I'm sorry, I don't feel good. And he would just come back at me like, yeah, you don't want to swim. Like, you you think you can go to the French Championship without practicing and he would just bash me and bash me oh. until the day I got diagnosed and he was like I am so sorry yeah. <laughs> I should not have said that to you were you able to get back to swimming I did not for long but I did I actually broke my own personal record two months after being diagnosed wow without swimming for two months yeah maybe your I body just, just needed a break yeah I just was jumping in the pool and Break my own record. So I was like, all right, cool. So when you (laughs) actually don't need to practice. When you said you wanted to be in the Navy, you were trying to be in the French Navy? As you heard earlier, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter. But when you get a Contour meter, what you're really getting is their test strips. Contour Next test strips feature remarkable accuracy as part of the Contour Next blood glucose monitoring system. They're the number one branded over-the-counter test strips. And they, of course, have second-chance sampling. Second-chance sampling can help you to avoid wasted strips. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Near the top of the page, you'll see a Buy Now button. It's bright yellow. When you click on that, you'll get eight options of places online to buy contour meters and test strips. Walmart.com, Amazon, Walgreens, CVS Pharmacy, Meyer, Kroger, Target, Rite Aid. These are all links you'll find at my link. Linkity link. Links but a link, blink, blink, link. I'm just kidding. Head over there. Now, won't you please? Listen, the contour meters are incredibly accurate. They are simple to use. They are easy to hold, easy to read, and they have a bright light for nighttime testing. Part of me wants to say that the second chance sampling is the biggest deal, but honestly, it's the accuracy. These meters are accurate. And I know a lot of people like to think, well, I have a CGM. I don't need a meter. You do. You need a meter. You need to be accurate. You deserve it to be accurate. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Take a look at the Contour Next Gen and the other meters available from Contour. When you use my links, you're supporting the production of the show and helping to keep it free and plentiful. I take AG1 every morning and you could too. Every morning, I take my container, my AG1 container, I put a scoop of AG1 in it and some cold water, I give it a good shake, and I drink it down. I take AG1 every morning, and you could too. When I was looking for a green drink, I heard about AG1 on a different podcast, and now you're hearing about it from me, so circle of life kind of thing. Anyway, AG1 is a science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients. And AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. It helps you build your health foundation first. Let's build a nice, solid foundation with AG1. DrinkAG1.com forward slash juice box. AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. And in fact, since 2010, they've improved this formula 52 times. That's called wanting to do better every day and you can do better every day too drink ag1.com forward slash juice box so if you want to take ownership of your health it starts with ag1 try ag1 and get 
a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com forward slash juicebox. That's drinkag1.com forward slash juicebox. When you use the links, you're supporting the production of the podcast and keeping it free and plentiful. Yes. Okay. And with type 1 diabetes, that's not possible? Well, I was diagnosed in between, in, during that year. I spent a year going like every Saturday or every other Saturday and one full week uh, on a Navy base during the year. Mm-hmm. And so started in September, ended in May, June, and I was diagnosed in November of that year. So technically, I started and I was okay. And I was pretty good at it. I really enjoyed it. That was my goal was literally to enroll and be a, be a, we call it Marine, be a Navy officer. Mm -hmm. So my, my commandant told me like, I know you have diabetes, but it's just cool. I am not going to let you go right now because you're one of the best ones and I know you enjoy it and we enjoy having you. So I'll go against what policies say because you started and you are fine. So he was trying to let you work it out and see if you could do it. Yeah, and he, I, I told him right away, I was like, now I know what to do, it's fine. I mean, I didn't know exactly what to do. I had just being diagnosed. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. but I, I finished my year. I still enrolled in an officer school that was, uh, was a three-year school. And basically, the dude on the phone was like, oh, I saw you have diabetes on your paper. I was like, yeah, but I'm fine now. Like At that time, I had a uh, pump already. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I'm managing everything. Doctor said it was fine. And he was like, oh yeah, but I called the Navy doctor and he said that we're not able to get diabetic, the diabetes, uh, diabetic p- uh, people. So I put your paperwork in the trash. So you're not going to be in the Navy. Thank wow. you. Bye. And he hang up the phone. Jeez. How old are you at that moment? I was just 17 and not, not even, yeah, just 17. Wow. And this is the only thing you would consider doing as an adult, right? Yes, yeah. that was the only, my only plan. That was back in March, the year after. I was like, okay, well, I've been diagnosed like, what, five months ago. My goal was to go in the Navy. Navy. I'm graduating in a couple months, and I do not know what to do. Sure. Are you able to pivot away from that and find something else, or was that a struggle? Yeah, well, at that point, I was still in France, and my dad and my brother were in Guadeloupe in the Caribbean. So I told my mom, I was like, well, I'm going to go back and I'll do, I think it was a tourist, like to, to walk in tourism, mm-hmm. like go to school and it'll be fine. I'll just go back to what I know in Guadeloupe and I'll, I'll just do that and walk in tourism. But it lasted a month and I was like, yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> so after a month of school, I quit. And so I was like in October of 2018. Not even a year after being diagnosed, I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm done with school. I'm not doing that again." Okay, so you gra- you graduated from I don't know what they would call it in France, but from high school. Yep. Okay, but then college, not going to do that. Yeah, I, I I did a month, and I was like, "No, no. not going to happen." Okay. <laughs> I guess I have a couple of questions. Where do you get your supplies from when you're jumping around from country to country? Like, how do you? Is that an easy transition? Like, I'm in France. I'm getting. I'm getting diabetes supplies. I'm going to go back to the island. Now I'm getting them here. Like, how does that all work? 
Yeah, it's kind of a struggle. So technically right now I am a student, an F, like an international student on a visa. Mm-hmm. So I'm still French. I'm just here for a little while for my studies. And the plan is technically to go back to I France, see. which is not going to happen. But <laughs> we'll tell them about that later. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just married three and a half weeks ago and he was citizen. So. Oh, wait. Okay. So. It's so funny because, you know, when you start speaking and I hear your accent and then you're like, I'm in Texas, I think, like, I can't wait to find out how she made it to Texas. And, you know, <laughs> it's a it's a fun story with a bunch of circumstances that made me end up here. Yeah. Let me ask you before we get into it. What were you, what was your level of training and education around diabetes when you're diagnosed and was this a thing that your parents were involved in or did it fall to you immediately I had absolutely no idea what it was my mom saying she had heard about it but knew nothing about it until yeah a few days after diagnosis so I was still in the ER and pediatric ER because I was still technically 16 mm-hmm. So I it was actually really funny because the school had called the ER that I was coming in, and I me with my school bag on on my shoulder just walking into the ER, and they were waiting for me because at that point I was at four fifty seven. It was pretty high, and they just opened all doors for me, and I walked through the ER and didn't stop hmm. and got admitted right away when you could see just toddlers and babies and throwing ups and crying in the waiting room. And I would just, I was fine. I was just walking in. And so all of the parents got angry, obviously (laughs) seeing that someone just would walk in and get admitted right away, but it's invisible. So they had no idea that I was on the verge of going into DK. Mm -hmm. How long did you stay in the hospital for? It was really long because I stayed for a full week. Like seven Um, days? Yeah, okay. I went in on a Wednesday, got out of, on a Wednesday. Did they teach you anything valuable while you were there, or were they just... absolutely not? Oh, okay. That, that's the that's the worst. So the Friday was my birthday, November eleventh, and it's a day off in France. So in the hospitals, you had no no doctors, only nurses. Mm-hmm. And technically, the doctor is teaching me, not the nurses. So the nurses would just keep me alive for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I had technically only the Thursday of learning-ish um, and then nothing for three days. I would just lay in bed and do nothing for three days. That's why it took so long for me to get out, uh, out of the hospital because I just had to wait for the doctor to come back. You, oh, so you had, to, you had to stay for the first three days just so the doctor could take their weekend and then... Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that, that's crazy. That's crazy how it works. Yeah. Oh, wow. So by the time you... You're there four days before somebody really even starts to talk to you about it. Yeah. I remember getting uh, doing my first shot myself on the Thursday, so less than 24 hours after being diagnosed or oh, admitted. I was doing my first shot. My mom was with, with me. I think, yeah, that was one the, the, the one and only shot that she ever gave me was in the hospital, and she didn't do anything after that. No kidding. How long so did I was you- left to, uh, to do everything myself. When you get out of the hospital, do you think you're honeymooning at that point? I was not. I had no idea what honeymoon was. Okay. Like, usually, I, they didn't teach me anything. The doctor was like, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you're getting eight units. Snack, you're getting four units. That's it. 
Okay, so they gave you an amount of insulin to shoot. Did they give you a number of carbs to eat? Oh, no, absolutely. I had no idea what that was. Oh. In a that, week? That's, that's how French, like, diagnosis is, how crazy that is. It just, I, they, I had to be admitted again for a full week for them to figure out my ins- insulin to carb ratio. Oh, you had but to go- I had to be admitted for a full week for that. Wait, so you were there for a week. Did yep. you you ended up back in the hospital? I I should have, but I didn't because okay. I never had the time for that. Okay, but in a, in a so in a full week, all, they came up with an insulin to carb ratio for you. No, Not they either. came up with a number for me to just give myself for every meal. And but that's it. They had they had they hadn't said anything about. I I didn't know the difference between carbs and sugar. Mm-hmm. How for did you- me, it was just no sugar, but. Not calm. So then where do you learn about this? Is it a, a, a private, like outside of the hospital with a doctor eventually? Or do you it figure it out on your own? It was mostly when I moved here to the U.S. I went to see a dietitian and I had to get blood tested and stuff. And that's when she told me, yeah, well, you can change your insulin every single single meal depending on what you eat. Oh. And I was like, what? Laura, I don't have to have eight units every single time? Laura, how many years is that that you live like that? Probably two years. And were you? What kind of technology did you have in those first two years? I I had the omni because I was swimming a lot. I decided to had to jump on the omnipod right away. So in mm-hmm. two months after being diagnosed, I went back to the hospital for a week so they could teach me how to use it and monitor me for a week or five days, I guess. Well, that seems excessive too, but. I mean, did you did you need to be maybe maybe you did need to be there. Was that helpful the the second week where they taught you how to use the pump? Well, it was mostly for the pump. It was still not for management ideas. Yeah, it was mostly to find out my basal rate. Okay. But every other week, I'll be back at the doctor's office to to change some stuff so she could look at my graphs and be like, well, you're swimming at, from that time to that time, so we're gonna do a uh, a low basal like a couple hours before so you don't drop low obviously it was still dropping low in the middle of practice mm-hmm. so it was kind of a pain but yeah i was on the pod omnipod for yeah two months after diagnosis and i'm still on the pod right now okay. and i was still doing uh fingerprints i have i have one question about that for clarification for me so when you go to the hospital to learn how to use the pump do you live at the hospital for a week yes Full time. Is that is that common? In France, yes. That's how it works. Okay. That that is crazy. Now that I know that like two year olds, three year olds here just someone comes home and comes at the house and explain to them how the pump works, change the settings, and then you're good to go. Like I had to stay from Sunday night to Friday midday. Yeah. Laura, you could have called me, I could have got your basil set up for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um Okay, well, that's okay. So now you have the pump, and I'm assuming your basil is perfect since they spent seven days getting it set up. But absolutely not. It was it was crazy because I was swimming and then I was at home and I was eating a lot because I mean I was moving so much that I had when it, on the days that I was swimming in the morning I would wake up around five five thirty, have a small breakfast, swim from six to eight, have another breakfast, be at school from eight thirty to five thirty p.m. have lunch in between then after school i had another snack then i would go back in the pool from 6 to 8 p.m and then have dinner afterwards so i would eat like six times a day were you getting low or high a lot i really don't remember much but i just remember having 
half of my backpack being just candies and snacks and juices and crackers that I didn't want that had that yeah. had to have, but I couldn't eat whenever I wanted. Right, right. Wow. So, geez. And you're testing just with a finger stick at this point. Are you actually yes. testing, frequently testing your blood sugar with? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. My fingers were destroyed. Okay. So you were testing. Yeah, a lot. I was. I was checking like probably at least eight to ten, 10 times a day. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, so you live like that for two years and you're living at home at that point with your mom. Yeah. I would, I, I was with my mom until the next summer. So less than a year. Then I moved to back to Guadeloupe mm-hmm. for yeah a few months. And in January, I decided to go for six months in Toronto, Canada and leave in a host family. That's what we call them. Sure. Go to school in the morning and just leave with a family in the afternoon. And that's what I did for six months. And that's actually where and how I learned English. Really? You you just picked up English a couple of years ago? Oh, yeah. Is that why at the beginning, before we started recording, you said you hope people can understand you? I, I know. Like As soon as I introduce myself to people, just like, friends that don't know me or family friends like oh hi and like oh where are you from like i just said hi how would you know that i'm not from here <laughs> well we can hear but it's not that but i understand everything you're saying just so you know okay. good yeah, yeah, yeah. i've not had any moment where i thought i don't know what she's talking about so you go to toronto and then where do you head after that i, I went to toronto for six months then went back home helped my dad like he had a a business so i walked with him i walked in a scuba diving center literally just down the street from my house mm-hmm. that was actually pretty great because i learned english so now i could speak help, english to clients like and I walked in that business for a few months do you know what your a1c's are in those first years i think i was in the eighth in the eighth okay i, I got the libre in june like nine months after being diagnosed, that's when uh, the French government decided to to cover it. So I had the library one in June. They didn't make you go to the hospital for a week to learn how to use it, did they? <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> okay. Luckily, luckily, I was fine with that one. But that that helped a lot because I was waking up really uh, in the morning, being in the three hundreds, and my doctor thought that I was getting low in the middle of the night without knowing it, and my body would just counteract it and got high but no it's just my basil was completely messed up right well they probably just needed a couple of more days to figure it out they would have got it all straight i'm sure was, <laughs> if you if you would have just stayed for 14 days i think they would have gotten it all right oh, yeah, so, I, yeah. I would have i mean my, my high school was hating me because every other week i would be gone yeah that's insane well okay so and just for clarification not because it matters your mom and dad are not together no they're not okay all right, now. No, no, not. So we are, I, I, I got diagnosed in November and December for Christmas. I went to Guadeloupe to see my dad and my brother. And the first thing that my dad said was, why are you giving yourself insulin before you eat when you don't know what you're going to eat? I was like, uh, I don't know. That's what he told me. <laughs> well, and he that- was like, why, why don't you just see what you eat and dose after? I was like, I guess I could try and I would just shoot up. It's like, I had no idea. I was just trying. Yeah. You really didn't have any direction whatsoever. Yeah, I, I, had no, I, I didn't know what pre-bolusing was until a couple years ago. Yeah. I definitely find that there's that age right around 18 
when parents and even doctors can think, oh, they're old enough, they can do it. And meanwhile, oh, yeah. you don't know what you're doing. And it's not yeah. like it's not like you're going to go home and sit down and figure it out or go online. It's just you're going to do what you're told. And as long as you're not passing out, you're going to you're going to think you're OK. And, and yeah. that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I, my mom had, the only thing she would do almost is say was, what's your blood sugar? What's your blood sugar? Like 20 times a day. And that pissed me off really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> and I, my dad, my dad had, still now, he has no idea how my diabetes life is going, right. what my pod Dexcom insulin is. Like, he has no clue. How does that feel that, the people around you that are close to you don't understand anything about something that you're existing with constantly. Uh, I'm, I'm used to it now, I guess. So it just doesn't bother me. I well, I don't live with them. I ha- like, I haven't seen my dad in three and a half years, so mm-hmm. it's fine. They're far away. They don't know. But my husband, for example, he has, he follows my Dexcom. He changes my pod. He knows like when I'm high, when I'm low, what to do. So he's the closest to me. So he manages it with me, which is pretty great. Okay. But my parents live so far away. It's just, it doesn't seem useful. For them to even understand yeah. it. Yeah. Well, how did you make it to America? Um, well, after Toronto, I went back home and I had a friend who um, was like, hey, it's pretty cool what you're doing in Toronto. Like, like you just live in a family for free. You go to school. And you just live your best life. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> um, so she's like, well, how, how do I do that? I'm like, well, if you want to do it, there's something, a, a program called Au Pair, which is a living nanny coming from abroad mm-hmm. that you could do in the U.S. for at least a year. And then if you want to stay a bit longer, you can stay for two years. And she's like, oh, that's pretty cool. But if I do that, you come with me. I was like, mm, yeah, sure. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so just like that, I did my paperwork and uh, I think it was like seven or eight months after coming back from Toronto, I was back again, back to the U.S. Laura, your personality is more like your father's? I think so. Yeah. yeah. He's more like, you want to try something? Go for it. My mom's like, why would you do that? Like, but why do you want to do that? Like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to do that. And I was like, I-, I want to, like, why not? No, I see you're, you've kind of got just wanderlust a little bit. And I mean, it seems like that's how your dad was like, oh, I don't like this anymore. I'm going to go all the way over here now. And, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And my, my dad has my, one of my dad's dream when I was little was to live in the U S. So we came to the U S mostly Florida for a while, like on and off just so we could live here and he could learn English and figure out like how it worked. And, but because of nine 11 uh, visas were much harder to get. So yeah. he couldn't do that. I see. Um, so that's why when I told him, hey, I want to go to the U.S. for a year or two, it was like, okay, cool. Yeah, he was excited. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Well, okay. And then you make it. So being an au pair, so your friend's going to be an au pair. You go along with her. Are you an au pair as well? Yes. Okay. And so you land in I Texas? Up in, I end up in San Francisco. Okay. Oh, right next to San Francisco. Right. She ends up in Los Angeles, which is far, but still close for the U.S. Mm-hmm. And we just go about our lives, and that's actually a pretty sweet life. <laughs> so you, well, it's it's basically you live in a house. You are paid not that much, but you're still paid weekly. You work for the family. 
and you just enjoy your life. And and in in the time you're working, you're looking after kids or making meals or things like that. Yeah, that, the whole goal is to look after kids. So I had I lived in different families throughout the the program, mm-hmm. and yeah, I had in each family I had three kids to look after. So from babies to teenagers, I'm like, well, okay, let's go to dance practice, go to school, go to the doctors, go to the playground, and it just that that was my life for basically two years. Okay. Did you find that um, a good experience? It depends for who, but I think if it's for the right people, it's amazing. Okay. Like I would, I would never be and do what I'm doing right now if it wasn't for those two years that I spent alone, just learning about myself. So you had enough free time to be introspective and you didn't really have to make too much money because I'm assuming you were driving their cars and living in their house and things like that. Yeah. The, the whole program, uh, it's, it's a stipend. It's not really a pay. It's mm-hmm. a stipend of just a bit less than $200 a week. Okay. We do walk up to 45 hours a week though, but. But there's very few things you actually need that aren't being provided. for. I, yeah. I didn't need to pay for anything, but for like travels that I wanted to do any personal stuff I'll pay myself, but the phone, the car, the house, the bills, everything was paid for. Yeah. Well, that's a, a great time of life to do something like that. And the, and the organization you did it with was reputable and you had a good experience. Yes. To come to the U S you have to go through an agency that sponsors a visa. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't have that, you cannot come to the U S. So yeah, the agency took care of my flights, my insurance, and then place you. Everything. Did you move through a lot of families in two years or did you stay pretty much? With I, the- I did. I, I moved through, I walked for four families in total and I loved it. I was, I'm not good at staying in one place or doing the same thing all over again for a long time. Right. So it was great to just change town. And actually, well, just my first over. three families were in the Bay area. So it was really close. But I changed the kids. They were younger, older. The schedule was different. The activities were different. So it, it was it worked great for me. I know some people hate it, but I absolutely loved it. Any kids you didn't like? Not the kids. The kids were always great. It right. was never the kids' fault. It was mostly the parents' fault. If something w- went wrong, it was because of the parents. Okay. They treat you like they owned you or they just weren't thoughtful or how did it go It, wrong? it depends on, on of the family, on the families, like, the last couple of families were amazing with me and mm-hmm. treated me like a human being, an adult and not like a toddler yeah. in the house. I but see. the first one was, I was just a maid for them. The kids, it was not the kids fault. I, I love those kids, but it ju- I had to switch family because so families because it just, I was, they were overwalking me and it just, I didn't have a life. And because of diabetes, like, I couldn't eat when I wanted. I couldn't eat what I wanted. I I had a, an awful schedule and I would sleep less and I would not sleep and I would stop eating and it was just not, not livable. So yeah. I was like, well, for my own health, physical and mental, we need to do something. And for health insurance during this time period, how did you get that? Through the agency, they provide us with uh, health insurance through Aetna. Okay. Wow. Which made for everything. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, actually. But but yeah. I guess the one downside of it is you're not able to amass any savings. I did, actually. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm not a big spender. Like, I'm, I'm not 
going shopping every day. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to start. I don't go to Starbucks or stuff like that. So I was able to keep a bunch of money and travel a lot. Like in two years, I think I visited 15 or 16 States. No kidding. So All right. I, was, so, I, I lived my best life. Yeah. yeah it sounds, <laughs> I mean, you're only you, the way you're talking about it. I feel like you're 50, but you're 22. So <laughs> that's yeah. what a lot of people tell me. They'll be, I have a old soul. Yeah, you're getting a lot accomplished, too, in a short amount of time. All right, where do you meet this boy that you marry? Where does this happen? I met him uh, through mutual friends uh, in the Bay Area. He was at school in, in right, like 20, 25 minutes away from where I was living. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, I met him on Bumble. And on one of his pictures, I saw someone that I knew. Like, oh, that's weird. Why do I know that guy on this dude's profile? Yeah, on Bumble. And so well, we started talking and... Yeah, now we are married. <laughs> wow. Laura, I got to tell you, Bumble's the first word. I wasn't certain what you were saying, but I figured it out. <laughs> oh, <all right. laughs> that was, don't, don't be sorry. I was like, I'm like, what is she saying? I'll get it. I'll get it. And there it was. So, oh, so you met him through friends, but on an app, you noticed him in a, in a picture with somebody that you knew? On his, profile, on his profile, I was scrolling through his pictures and I was like, hey, on that picture, I know that guy. Oh, that's funny. And they ended up being at the same school in the same year. And their dorms were like two or three rooms apart. Right. Is he your age? He's two years older. Okay. Did you, so now this is the first thing that, did you want to get married? Because you seem like you don't want to be tied to something. Absolutely not. Like I moved here. I was like, I'm just going to live my best life. And I was, I was in a state of mind, like before coming to the U.S. where I'm like, I don't fit in any boxes that people want me to fit in. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I didn't go to school after high school. I didn't want to just settle in my parents' village. I didn't want to have the small car that everybody has. I just, I, I was dreaming big. I was, I was like, my, I want to have a big SUV. I want to have a big house. I want to have a boat. And I was like, I'm not doing that stuck in France in a small village. That It's just not walking. Interesting. Okay. So does a, a job take him to Texas? Yes. So uh, we, yeah, we were together for quite a while in California. And then he finished uh, college just during the pandemic. So finished, yeah, the, his last semester at home online. Mm-hmm. And uh that same friend that was on his Bumble uh, profile moved to Texas a year ahead of him and got a job here. And he was like, well, they're looking for engineers here. So why don't you come down and apply for a job? So he applied, well, moved, or well, planned on moving. And I was like, well, if you're moving there, I might as well find another family and just move there with you. So go on Facebook and I find that family that lives 20 minutes away from where he was going to live. Their family name is exactly the same as his. The mom is a nurse and their eight-year-old is also a type one diabetic. We're not going to say your name out, your last name out loud, but the last name that I'm seeing is your married name. No, that's not. It's not. Okay. You have the most Caucasian name for a lady who's got such an interesting (laughs) background. (laughs) Really, like your name's like right out of a 1950s TV show, <laughs> and oh yeah? yeah, yeah, it's just such a it's just such a simple name. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is this: you're doing all this, not having a great 
grasp of how you're supposed to be taking care of yourself. So at what point during this process did you start figuring out, I don't know enough about diabetes? Mostly when I moved to Texas to that family with a mom who's a nurse. A nurse, okay. And the kid who's, who was eight, uh, type 1 diabetic, and he was diagnosed at five. Mm-hmm. And he was diagnosed just a few months after me. Okay. And so did they come to you or did you notice like, did you notice that, like, wow, they do this differently than I do? Or did they say something to you? From the beginning, I, I had talked to them and I had met them. I took a weekend trip to Texas just to meet, meet them. And the, the, so the kid had the Dexcom, which I was still on a Libra. I was like, it's amazing that you can have it on your phone every five minutes and you don't have to scan it to mm-hmm. know your blood sugar. Right. And the mom was getting his alerts on her phone. When he was at school at daycare, he was just like, the mom's like, yeah, I know his blood sugar from wherever I am. It's, like, it's amazing. He had also the Omnipod, same as me. So I was like, well, if, if you need help with that, I, I, know how, I know how to change it. I know how to bolus. I know how to do all of that. I see. And yeah, we had lunch together. And at the end of the lunch, he was like, yeah, we would really love to have you with us for however long. Right. And then, so while you're together with this this child, you guys are managing together a little bit? Yeah, I was, so when he was not at school, I was managing his blood sugar. So it was like, he, he had kind of a different approach to bolusing or the, the parents had. Mm-hmm. The mom knew exactly how much units he needed for each plate that he was eating and not how many grams of carbs it was. I see. So she would look at a plate and she's like, two and a half. And just like, and you were, you weren't even doing that much, right? You were. And and no, I, I wanted to learn from them how to carb count. I was yeah. like, well, teach me. And she was like, we don't. It's like, oh, well, yes, I need to go to doctors and find out. But because she was a nurse and she had a type one kid, she, uh, she had an endocrinologist office in her building. Mm-hmm. So one day she was like, well, we're going to drop the kids off at school. You're coming with me and I'm going to get you an appointment with the best endocrinologist in my building. And then you'll learn that way. And that's how you yeah. learned from this endocrinologist. That That's how I mostly learned also from them that it was not about sugar. It was about carbs. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I still didn't know that protein and fats had to be bolestful. Right. I learned it on the podcast like less than a year ago. How did you find the podcast after all this? I found mostly I found a, a Facebook group first. I was not that much into listening podcasts at all. Actually, I was not at all until a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But my husband is a big podcast fan, and he started listening to it. I was like, "Hey, you should listen to it. You you would learn a lot." I was like, "Yeah, but I don't know when, and I don't know how, and eh, I was not really tech savvy." So I was like, mm. "So, Larry, your husband's listening to the podcast?" Yes. For you, for you, or to try to learn. A bit of both, okay. I think. I didn't really ask him, but he would listen to the pro tips and it was like, hey, I, I heard that. Like, Just listen to the podcast and tell me what you think. It's like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll listen to it. And he left for Wong this morning and I told him, like, hey, listen to the new one that just came out. It's a pretty fun story. Like, You'll like it. Wow, that's amazing. So he's trying to find a way to help you. He finds the podcast. You don't necessarily want to dive into it too much. But how long have you been listening? Because you had to sign up to record this like six months ago. Actually, no. I emailed you. Oh, Laura, you're the one. 
You are the lucky. Laura, Laura is the lucky one in 2022. <laughs> you really are. Like, that's the time frame that wasn't making sense to me. You got a link and someone canceled and there was one day left. Actually, I was double lucky then because you sent me the link and you're like, well, it's now before like June, 2023. I was like, oh, that's fine. I can just wait. It's, right. it's fine. And I go on the link. I was like, hey, there is an appointment for that day, which was actually yesterday. Yes. Like, but I'm at school and it's at 8 a.m. and I have class at nine. Like, it's it's just not going to work. So I was like, well, I'm just going to wait and I'll figure out later. And then a week later, I go back on the on the link and I see that there's a slot for today. I'm like, well, I don't I, have school on Wednesdays. Let's do so it. You are parked on my my pack. This was going to be my packing day because we're taking Arden to, to college in a few days. And mm -hmm. when the person canceled, I was like, I'm not going to fill that. But I also didn't go back and block it. So when I saw you take the the time, I was like, ah, that's fine. We'll do that. That's why. Okay, this makes better sense now. So you're just yeah. starting with the podcast, really? I, I, I Yes, I had been. I started. Well, I, I think the first actual podcast, I listened to it a year ago. But I wasn't really into listening to stuff mm -hmm. at that point. I was just, it's easier for me to read it or see it. So it's hard to just listen to a podcast and I didn't have time. I didn't know how or mostly when or where to right. listen to those podcasts. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go on a run. And it would be not that long, like 10, 15 minutes, and then I would be done. So I would never end up finishing the podcast. I see. But your husband listens more frequently. Right now, yes, because yeah. I figured a way to and a time to do it. Interesting. So, so when when I go to school, I just put in my car and and there it is. And there it is. Yeah. Why did you want to come on? Because the French diagnosis is absolutely awful and so different to what I know now from the U.S. I'm like, are you in my private Facebook group? I'm on the on the Juice Box podcast. You, you are in there. Okay, so I'm going to look very quickly to see if you're there because I'm going to say something that. All right, hold on a second. Yeah, that, that's that's how I learned about the whole thing. And now that I know that, I, I had no idea. I've had the, the, the Omnipod for five and a half years. Okay. But I, I didn't know what uh, extended bolus was. I had never used it. Right. Okay, so I'm so I, I see you. I see you're here. So do you ever notice online that a person named Isabel helps me with the, the Facebook group? I don't really look at the names like with how Facebook is set up right now. You see the group name and then the, the person's name is so small that yeah, I don't yeah. even see it anymore. She's French and she lives in Toronto. And the one thing I'm going to give away a little bit about about Isabel, she it makes her upset when when she hears bad things about Canada. And I've never heard her hear anything bad about France. So I'm wondering what happens when she when she hears you say this. If it's gonna, she has such a national pride. I feel like, uh, but but it's 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 interesting. I think you, I mean you're the first person I've talked to who was diagnosed in France. And I mean the the experience is obviously needs refinement. If this is if your experience is a common experience, it's it's not great. That's for certain. Well, that, that's how it works in France. Like you're diagnosed for, like you stay in the hospital for a week and then you have to go back to get a pump and you have to go back to learn about carb ratio. And I was supposed to do that. Basically, I was scheduled a month after I landed in the US. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, no, it's not going to work. I'm not going to go back to France for a week to just to spend it in the hospital. Yeah, no kidding. 
Wow, oh, this so, is interesting. So I you just you, everything out myself. You, you just wanted to blow up France for on the podcast. That's what you were shooting for. <laughs> well, the thing is, I've I've listened and 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 read so many stories about kids in the U.S. Like, well, we stayed in the hospital for three days. It was awful. I'm like, dude, I stayed there for a week mm-hmm. as a seventeen-year-old. I spent my birthday in a small sterile room with three of my family members. My aunt actually made me some sugar-free cupcakes. Oh, it was muffins, I think. It was uh, for your birthday. Yeah, and so I had a sugar-free muffin and an applesauce for my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> it was so sad. Yeah, I bet it you it was. Awfully sad. And my aunt actually gave me two, so I had one on my birthday. And the second one, I would I kept it on my night table. And I'm still pissed at that because... At 4 a.m., when they came to check my blood sugar, they took it away from me and didn't give it back. Oh, my gosh. They stole it. <laughs> Someone stole it. The only thing you had. <laughs> no, I, I knew it was the nurses because I saw them. They, they, they saw it on my nightstand, and they were like, oh, she cannot have that here. Like, she cannot eat that. Like, oh. it's, it's sugar-free. And they told me, you cannot eat sugar. I was like, it doesn't have sugar in it. Well, it does have calms, but I didn't know that. You didn't know that at the time, right? So, oh my like, god, where, where did my muffin go? Like, <laughs> come on, guys! <laughs> <laughs> They're French muffin thieves. That's exactly what they are. Yeah, yeah, and my aunt also got pissed. She was like, "Well, I I checked online to make sure that you could eat it, and there's no sugar in it." Mm. Yeah, I, and at that time, that's all they were saying to you: sugar, sugar, sugar. Nothing about carbs. Gotcha. Yep. Well, nothing about carbs and definitely nothing about protein and fats. Right. What What is your A1Cs? What are they like right now? Right now, I'm at, I've been at 5.4 for the past like, year and a half or two years. That's Every time I check, I'm 5.4. That's terrific. What, what do you think the secret to how it's going is for you? Uh, just like literally on my phone, on Dexcom, like every 10 minutes. So you're. I, I I cannot leave without it. It's awful to say, but I cannot leave without my phone. Okay. Because so, I'm constantly checking my blood sugar. Now, are you checking it and finding that it's leaving the range you want to be in, and you have to adjust it, or you just feel like you're being vigilant? Oh, right now it's perfect. It's a straight line for the past. That's what I said to my husband a couple nights ago. Like for the past like two or three days, I have not been high. I have not been low. Hmm. Like it's amazing. It's okay. <laughs> Are you noticing it different times of the month? Is it different? Yes. Usually, I'd say a few days before I'm on my period, it's high, I run high. I run straight, but I run high. Mm-hmm. When I say high, it's above like around 160, 180. Okay. So I have to range ballers so I could go down. But as soon as I eat something, it's just like, oh, yeah, no, let's just go back up. It goes once to go back up. And this is before your period. During your period, yeah. is it different? And it, I, I run low during. Okay, and then how about after the period's over? Oh, I I think it goes back to normal. Back to you get a normal range at that point. Yeah, you know what? We've just started doing something with Arden, where we're we're putting we're choosing her sites for her pump based on where she is in her cycle. Huh. Well, I don't have that much choice since I used to put my pod on my arm, my stomach, and my legs. And then I figured out that my arms didn't really walk anymore. So I switched to only legs and stomach. Okay. And now my legs don't walk anymore. So I I have like four sites on my stomach around my belly button. And I just switch in a 
clockwise. Yeah. Are you like over? I change, I go low, and then I change, I go right low, and then I change, I go high low, yeah. high right. Right, right. Were you? Do you think you overuse some of your sites? Do they need or just need a break? No, it, 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 I don't really know. But as soon as I put it on my legs, I know I'm going to be high. I'm like, I'm just going to try again. Yeah. And, yep. So that's I'm not high. that's not uncommon. So some people will use their legs and then use a different basal profile, for instance, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a little more aggressive. Arden's legs are her least effective spots. So she gets more out of her arms, back of her arms, and her belly. So we've been using her... So just like you, during her period, her blood sugar is much easier to maintain. So we've been using her legs during her period. And then when the period stops, we're moving to her belly or her arms for ovulation and, Hmm. and belly or arms in that spot right before the period when you, you start to get that, that resistance too. Yeah. I just figured why not match up the, you know, how effective the site is with the need. Yeah. yeah so. I mean I was I was actually talking about it last night. I just I can see so much so many scars on my stomach now from the pods. Mm-hmm. Especially when those pods like hurt a bit and then they bleed a lot or, or they bleed a small amount but it just leaves that small bruise that's as big as the cannula basically. And those scars like never go away. So I have like dots, red dots on my stomach. But I know that's the only place that my my pod walks. I tried to put it on the back of my like mm-hmm. low back, but it would burn me to a point that it would be itchy, and I had uh, blisters on my back okay. from the pods. Have you have you tried? Do you pinch up when you put it on? Yes. Okay, and that spot doesn't work for you. Gotcha. Yeah. So now I'm just. Uh, I, I know it walks only on my stomach, so I'm fine with it. And I have the Dexcom either on my arms on my chest okay when you do your arms with the pod were you doing the outside facing out or back facing back i was facing back but i hadn't done like last time i did my arms was probably two or three years ago oh okay all right yeah i stopped that really quickly yeah when arden was little we put it on the back of her arm but now when she wears it on her arm she likes it sort of more on the outside of her arm Mm-hmm. Although she yeah, I, feel like I don't have much going on on my arms, like more than it's just bones and skin. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why, like, slowly it just. Well, you said you said you haven't put all your weight back on, right? No, I, I actually since I moved to Texas in that family uh, with a diabetic kid, it helped me mentally to get better with my eating habits. So I a lot I, I started losing weight, which was good for me. Mm. How, how so? What were your eating habits like before you met the family? I was I was not forced, but I forced myself to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, even when I was not hungry. When when I moved to that family, they were like, what do you want to eat and when do you want to eat? I was like, well, I'm not hungry. I just want to eat a salad. Right. And the whole family would have pasta and pizza and whatever. And I was like, no, I'm just going to have a salad. And I didn't feel ashamed to eat something else or to be like, well, no, my blood sugar is high. I don't want to eat pizza. Right. No, good or, for you. What do you I'm think? I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat. And that, that changed a lot also in my mental health because I was not ashamed of doing something else because of diabetes. Like they, they understood. As soon as they saw me, they were like, oh yeah, so you were high all night or you were low all night or the kid's blood sugar was high all night. So you were also awake all night. And so they gave me a break. They were like, just, go sleep the day off and then you're, you're good to go. Like, 
And it was easier for me to manage it knowing that they knew what I was going through. So you think that the the change for you was meeting people who understood your situation? Oh, yes. Because the first families, like, it's not that they understood it. They, they just, they were okay with it. But they didn't try to help or they didn't try to understand it better. I'm like, hey, if you do that, is it good or bad? Like they, they would just let me figure it out and didn't even ask anything. I'll just tell them it's not contagious. I know how to deal with everything. I know what to do when I'm high. I know what to do when I'm low. I'm not going to show the kids the needles. I'm not going to keep any like bloody stuff all over the place. Like I'm really neat and clean. And And these were, these were all things you were concerned about or worrying about previously. I didn't know that I was, but yes, looking back, back. Yes, I was, I was not trying to hide it, but I was trying to leave the same as everybody else. When, like, if I'm high, I will not eat pizza now. When before, I was like, well, I'm high, but they're all eating pizza, so I'll have to eat pizza. Is it because you Which didn't want to be the kid? You didn't want to be the girl with diabetes who couldn't have pizza, so you just had it anyway? Mm, no, because I've always told anyone and everyone, like, yeah, I'm diabetic. And okay. It just, that's who I am. But I, I didn't want to have them go out of their way to be like, well, we're going to buy you more salad or we're going to buy you like sugar-free stuff. Okay. No, I, I think like, I understand. When I moved here to Texas, they were like, well, yeah, like the first day I went to the grocery store with the dad and he was like, so we have sugar-free milk. I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> and we have, we don't have chips. We have that kind of chips because it's low carbs. I was like, oh my God. Like I need to relearn everything in the grocery store grocery store because it's just there's so much stuff that I had no idea about. And and that yeah, they made me they they made me grow up a lot into my diabetes knowledge. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like in a in a kind way they parented you about diabetes? Oh yes. Yeah. I mean first, first day when the dad took me to the store and the week after when the mom was like, Hey, let me call your insurance to see if you can have the Dexcom. I was like, Whoa, I'm not even sure. I don't I didn't know how it worked. Right. Because the insurance in France is completely different. Here you have to call your insurance and be like, Hey, I need this to leave. Would you give it to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And now that you're married, do you still know that family? Yes, you do. You 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 maintain a yeah. friendship with them. We we moved since then, so we don't leave that close from them. But I still text with that that diabetic kid and the parents. We're on the group chat together. That's pretty so. great. That's yeah. pretty great. Well, he he calls me randomly out of nowhere. I was like, oh yeah, we're going to the punk. Oh yeah, just had marshmallow ice cream. I was like, oh cool, buddy. <laughs> How old is he now? I think he's eleven. Okay. Wow. Jeez, this is, a, you know, your story is really interesting. It's very different and fascinating to see somebody in a short amount of time go from no real understanding of what they're doing to, you know, a clear understanding of it. It's, uh, it's Yeah, it's it, it changed a lot when, also when I learned how to do the extended boluses. I was like, oh my God, that's what I needed the whole time. And mm-hmm. I didn't know it was right here under my nose. Like, yeah. And and now you're learning about fat and protein and things like that. Yes, I'm trying. Like, so, well, yeah, we got married like three and a half few weeks ago, and I wanted to fit in that dress. So I tried to for the, the month after to eat a bit probably low carb, low to no carb, mm-hmm. and so it was a lot of protein and veggies. 
mostly, mostly. And I was like, well, why do I go high when I have just a burger and salad? Like that just doesn't make any sense until I re-listen to the pro tip podcast. And I was like, huh, that makes more sense. <laughs> I'm glad it's helping. That's really excellent. It's wonderful. Uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to? I don't want to skip anything or miss anything. I was just uh, about traveling because I've traveled a lot. I know a lot of families, especially during the summer, like, hey, we're traveling here. We're traveling there. Like, what do I do? And a lot of people were uh, scared about uh, flying and going through security and stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of parents are like, well, you can go on the side. They don't have to. You don't have to go through that whole like scanning machine you don't have to put your bag through it like i've i've never done anything different than anyone else right i just went through just put my my i have that bag that says my all of my diabetes sheet bag <laughs> and i i put all of my stuff in it and with also juice boxes pass in the i i, I go on planes with juice boxes yeah. When usually people are like, no, you're not allowed to. You make what? Medical, medical device. <laughs> yeah, no, you can get through TSA with juice boxes. You just have to yeah. Yeah, let them know what they're for. Then they um they swab them to make sure there's no explosives yeah. inside of them. Right. And that, that's what they do. The first time, like, oh, you cannot go through that. I'm like, yeah, I can. Yeah. Of course I can. Yeah, good for you. I was like, oh, and because I have my pod and it, it just bits. I'm like, yep, here are my hands. Just swap them. I know the, I know the drill. And my insulin go through everything. I don't put my insulin in any cold stuff. At home, my well, my, I have my insulin in the fridge at home, right? But it's only for the past like what two or three months. Before that, for the past three years, it's been just in a drawer in okay. my room. Well, I never put my insulin in the fridge. In a in a in a temperature controlled building, though, right? The building's not. Super yeah, it was hot. around like 70, 72. Right. And how much? But, well, how much insulin do you have on hand at a time? Well, my so I get everything from friends. I email my endocrinologist every time I do blood tests. I'm like, hey, everything's here. I send you my graphs, my blood, my A1C is that much. Everything's fine. I still have some Dexcoms. I need more insulin, and she writes me a prescription. I send it to my mom, who has my insurance card and everything. Goes to her next door neighbor, who's the pharmacist goes to the pharmacy and she's like, well, we need more insulin for Laura. And then she just sends me a box. So I usually get about a year of insulin at a time and in between eight and 12 months of pods and Dexcoms at a time. I see. So yeah, when I get a box, it's a huge box and I have 20-ish vials of insulin at once. Mm, okay. And so when you travel, you don't, you only take what you need with you. Yes, right. I I used to be like, well, what if my pod fails? And what if I go in the water and it dies? What if, and what if, and it, I just end up traveling with so much for just a two-day weekend. Like, it's just crazy. I know that I'm not going to use all of that. I don't need two Dexcoms for two days. So you bring a little extra, but you don't bring so much. Yeah, yeah. I in my backpack to go to school or to go anywhere, I always have... Uh, a pen and a couple needles, but I don't have my meter all the time with me. I never have Dexcoms. I never, unless I'm travel, but on a daily basis, I have just my PDM, a pen, and a couple needles. Right. Laura, did you just get married? Yes. Like in the last couple of months? 
beginning beginning of the months. Yes. Oh, okay. I just watched your wedding video. Oh. <laughs> like in the background while you were talking, I, I ran it behind like what I'm looking at. And, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Good for you. So oh. yeah, we're going through actually switching my insurance right now. Mm-hmm. And I need to see if they would, if the, his insurance would cover the Omnipod 5, which would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and you're thinking of doing that. Cover everything since because I'm getting married in the US, my French insur- insurance won't work anymore. Right. Right. Yeah, you're going to have to go on to his. Yeah, but so far his insurance has been really great for him whenever he needs to go to the ER or doctor's office. Okay. So, are you working or are you going to I am a I'm a student on a visa so I cannot walk. I can walk at school but I walk like 7 or 8 hours a week. Are you tr- are you hoping to get some sort of uh, like a, is there a degree you're looking for something you're thinking of doing in the future? Yeah, right now I'm doing a double major uh, in French and geography, and I'm a junior level right now. Okay, what do you want to do with it? Do you know? If I use mostly the French, I can do teaching, but I'm not. I can do, but I don't really want to. Um, I would love to do some translation. Mm. I can work in communication a bunch of stuff like that. If I do geology, I can do GIS, planner, urban planning, and wow. a bunch of different things. How so, long till you've got your degrees? I'm planning on graduating early in December of next year. Good for you. Congratulations. It's a big thing. How do you handle seeing your parents? Is it just FaceTime and things like that? I My mom came for the first time in the US for the wedding. But in the past, yeah, three and a half years, that was the third time I saw her. And I... Talk to her on the phone, yeah, pretty often. But yeah. in real life, was the third time I haven't seen my dad since I left. Okay. In February of 2020, uh, 2019. Is that pretty comfortable for you, or do you find it difficult? Yeah, I've I've never been that close to my parents. Okay. Since the beginning, even since before diagnosis, I was just like, yeah, just I'll do my own thing and I'll be fine. <laughs> it does seem like you don't really need any help. So. <laughs> and <laughs> no, well. From them, not, but because I know they they cannot do anything from where they are. Yeah, I, I meant big picture. You just feel like you're okay. And even when you don't know what you're doing, somehow you just um, just seem to come across the answer. So Yeah, well, for the big picture, yeah, for the small picture, if you ask my husband, he's like, well, he knows when I'm high just by looking at me and looking at well, what I say and how I do things. And... So he he walks on boats. So he's gone for half of the time. He's gone for a week and home for a week. So when he's on the boat and I'm on the phone with him, he knows when I'm low before my dick's gone. That's something. That's, That's how crazy that is. All right. Well, I, I just, I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you for taking the time to record with me. Well, I was glad to come on. Yeah, you were terrific. You really were. I, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, you slipped in here on my day off. It was, uh, it was really, it was really a nice way to <laughs> well, spend an hour. Good luck in college for Alden. Oh, thank you. I'll tell her. She's very excited. She, I think she would have left two weeks ago if she could have. So, If she has really good professors like I have, I usually try to make them laugh about diabetes the first day. That's mm. what I said last week to my professors. I went to each and every one of them and I was like, hey, international student, I'm also diabetic. So I'm trying not to pass out in your class. But just so you know, if I do, that's because I'm diabetic. And usually they laugh and like, well, it never happened. So I should be fine. But 
I just let them know if I'm on my phone, I'm not texting. I'm just making sure I'm still alive. Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about that recently, how she's going to approach mm-hmm. professors and, and explain things. And the school so far has been really terrific about it as well, allowing her to have like a small. Yeah. I, I talked yeah. to the Office of Disability and they're like, yeah, we've, we've got a couple people that should be like, and I'm not ashamed of being diabetic. I'm not ashamed of, I, I don't hide it. Right. I actually just laugh about it. Like, yeah, I have a Dexcom. Well, you don't know it's the Dexcom. It's just a GPS. So my husband know where I am at all times. <laughs> just keep it track of me. That's all. Oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Laura, thank you. Hold on for me for a second, okay? All right. Thank you so much. Yep. Hey, I want to thank Laura for coming on the show and sharing her story with us. And I want to thank AG1 for sponsoring this episode of the podcast, drinkag1.com forward slash juice box. Take ownership of your health and get the five free travel packs and the year supply of vitamin D when you make your first order at drinkag1.com forward slash juice box. I also want to thank the Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter and remind you that all of the Contour meters are incredibly accurate and easy to use. And you can learn more about them and make your purchases at contournext.com forward slash juice box. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the juice box podcast. If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with type one diabetes, the bold beginnings series from the juice box podcast is a terrific place to begin listening. In this series, Jenny Smith and I will go over the questions most often asked at the beginning of type 1. Jenny is a certified diabetes care and education specialist who is also a registered and licensed dietitian, and Jenny has had type 1 diabetes for 35 years. My name is Scott Benner, and I am the father of a child who has type 1 diabetes. Our daughter Arden was diagnosed in 2006 at the age of 2. I believe that at the core of diabetes management, understanding how insulin works and how food and other variables impact your system is of the utmost importance. The Bold Beginning series will lead you down the path of understanding. The series is made up of 24 episodes, and it begins at episode 698 in your podcast or audio player. I'll list those episodes at the end of this. To listen, you can go to juiceboxpodcast.com, go up to the menu at the top, and choose Bold Beginnings, or go into any audio app, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and then find the episodes that correspond with the series. Those lists, again, are at Juicebox Podcast up in the menu, or if you're in the private Facebook group, in the Featured tab. The private Facebook group has over 40,000 members. There are conversations happening right now and 24 hours a day that you would be incredibly interested in. So don't wait. So don't wait. Check out the Bold Beginnings series today and get started on your journey. Episode 698 defines the Bold Beginnings series. 702, honeymooning. 706, adult diagnosis. 711 and 712 go over diabetes terminologies. In episode 715, we talk about fear of insulin. In 719, the 1515 rule. Episode 723, long-acting insulin. 727, target range, 731, food choices, 735, pre-bolus, 
739 carbs, 743 stacking, 747 flexibility. In episode 751, we discuss school. In episode 755, exercise. 759, guilt, fears, hope, and expectations. In episode 763 of the Bold Beginning series, we talk about community. 772, journaling. 776, technology and medical supplies. Episode 780, treating low blood glucose. Episode 784, dealing with insurance. 788, talking to your family. And episode 805, illness and ketone management. Check it out. It will change your life.